Who gets to decide what you buy? This week, we want to talk about all of the decisions and how you decide on whether or not you invest in technology or equipment or whatnot in your veterinary practice. Because let me tell you, how you make those decisions can impact your team morale. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And a tough topic that, once again, doesn't seem so tough on the outset is how do you decide what you buy in your clinic? And many times we'll involve our team in buying equipment, but what about technology and software support and all those things that we need to deliver the practice that we want? This week, we want to talk about all of the issues around buying stuff. But before we get into buying stuff, as always. I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, you know, we're, we're kind of in that middle part of the year where a lot of clinics are kind of on autopilot, right? We're getting through the summer and vacations and fall and school and all that's coming up. But we're also going to be entering into the traditional buying season, which is usually in the latter half of the year. Because well, let's face it, Becky, a lot of clinics are taking advantage of, of tax, you know, breaks and so forth. And so sometimes we're buying things and we don't really give thought to how it impacts the people around us. And so, Becky, tell us a little bit about how this conversation kicked off. Well, you know, it just came back from AVMA and was uh, spent some time in the exhibit hall with our veterinary industry giving tree booth. And, um, you know, it's just amazing to see the new companies popping up, the new technology popping up. AI is everything. In fact, we were across from an AI medical records booth. And, um, you know, I was thinking to myself how... We have people come to the clinic. We have different roles across the board represented at these conferences. And people come back with ideas of stuff that would be very helpful to the clinic. And so I can only imagine as a clinic owner or the veterinarian, you know, your staff goes to a conference and then they come back and they're like, check out this new technology from front to back, right? There's right. there's new leashes, there's new yard materials, there's new disinfectants, there's new tech, you know, system software, all of it. And then now we have to make decisions about who we're buying for, what we're buying, f- you know, for them, what part of the clinic we're going to focus our budget and 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 who we're going to get it from. there's just like so many factors and it just kind of had me thinking like how are we doing this across the board and are we just so, sort of throwing things at the wall to see what will stick or are we doing this with intention yeah and viewfinders you know your our audience is, is primarily vet professionals mainly you know veterinarians veterinary technicians you know receptionists and managers for the most part and and a lot of times i think we feel comfortable giving an an advice or recommendation on buying like equipment oh i saw this new machine i saw this new piece of equipment that would benefit us or oh if we just had the latest greatest autoclave thing, right? And I think that that's been, we felt very comfortable. But, you know, Becky, now we're going to these shows and we're seeing a a tremendous amount of technology, soft things, things that you don't like hold in your hands, but they actually help you run your clinic. And so I think this is, I think we're in this period of transition, Becky, when technicians and receptionists and managers and associates are coming back and they're saying, I saw this piece of software and I'd like to discuss it for our clinic. I mean, Becky, do you see the roles kind of shifting 
away from just like, hey, you know, I need this piece of equipment to wait, we need this piece of software. I don't know if it's shifting so much as being more inclusive of software. Yeah, I think right, there's still right. a ton of technology and we still want all the really cool gadgets. But on top of that, there's more access to technology. There's more access to virtual re- receptionists and, right, and chat right. software and scheduling and, uh, you know, dictation. Oh my gosh, everything you can imagine. So I think it's just being more inclusive of that. So when it used to be you were just coming back with all the cool technology and deals you could buy on stuff, now on top of that, you're looking at here's ways we could improve maybe or increase the intelligence within our practice. Yeah. And, and, you know, Becky, in my role as as chief veterinary officer for Vertical Vet, which, you know, is this group purchasing organization, we have about 1,500 clinics nationwide. I often hear from the staff side, especially the associates and the managers, I hear their side of the complaint here. And they go, my boss, meaning the owner, however that works out, uh, just signed us up for this software service, right? And, And so they seem not to be engaged in the decision-making process and it's thrust upon them and they're kind of going, what do I do now? I have to learn this. And so, of course, we step in and help them with training or resources or whatever. But you know what I'm saying, Becky? It seems like a lot of times vet clinics are still deciding like software stuff, you know, at the the ownership level or the the higher management level. And they're still saying, okay, if you need a new, you know, new hemostat, <laughs> knock yourself out. Yeah. Are you seeing that as well? Like, you know, sometimes like it's suddenly like, okay, now we have this new software guys. You got to learn how to use it as opposed to the staff saying, Hey, there's this great new software. I'd like to, I'd like to try it out in our clinic. You see I, think what I'm it's getting the, at? I think it's the angle of corporate versus private, yeah, right, you know, small right. practice now where Good we're point. able to kind of make a three person decision on the practice level versus a 30,000 person decision on the corporate level. So we, I think, end up really micro sectioning off these decisions based with the quote unquote experts on the higher level when we have these, I don't even want to just say corporate, but even like multi-practice, you know, there's, there's going to be less voices involved because it just makes the decision easier. Um, but, but like so many other things, it becomes a top down decision where the people at the bottom are the ones using it. And I can't tell you how many times I have heard just kind of what you said, where they gave us new, this new software, it completely sucks and they don't have to use it. So they don't care. It's us and no one really hears us. And it's making our day to day so much harder. Yeah, and, and that's another really good point, Becky, that, that I want to reiterate to the viewfinders is the fact that sometimes a manager or owner or the decision maker in these situations, they go to a show or they're somehow detailed, you know, they're impressed by the company. They've got a great sales rep and they just knock your socks off. And you're like, we got to have this. But yet, you know, they're kind of disconnected from the day to day, Becky. And so suddenly now they go, oh my gosh, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Here you go. They sign up for it. And again, never actually involved involve the people who have to do it. And so my best bit of advice always when you're making a decision for your clinic, especially one like a software, whether it's a reminder system or some kind of automation system, you know, if it's going to touch a lot of people, you need to talk to those people before you commit to it. You know, Becky, and I know it sounds so fundamental and elementary, but the fact is, I think so many clinics miss that. 
Oh yeah, like I love that. Oh, they'll love it. Like I know they'll love it. They'll right, think this right. is great. That, and and I the thing is is that they might think the concept is great, but we know that functionality isn't always what it is. And I and I think the biggest mistake that I see with soft, software coming into practices is they take these huge leaps. So instead of sort of filling the gaps first, and so we create other problems because we go way too far from where we are, and we and it's sort of like a matter of now we have to make a complete one eighty within the clinic, or we have to find ways to adapt to this new system that doesn't, you know, maybe integrate with that really old computer software that you're still using and you haven't upgraded. So like, yeah, it's really cool. You bought this digital laboratory picture photograph thing, but we have to email it to ourselves and then download it and then upload it because the rest of the system doesn't comply with it. Yeah. And again, you know, just I know it sounds so basic, but a real example that happened uh, within the past year with one of our, our vertical vet clinics, Becky, it goes like this. They they bought a they bought they, they subscribed to this automated reminder system. So it's a service that sends text messages primarily, but also some emails for, you know, preventive care, annual wellness, that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, you know, so it's, it's really designed to replace the postcards. Now, this particular clinic was a really heavy postcard centric clinic. And so, you know, the owner was like, oh, we can save money and be more effective. And I saw this amazing, you know, demonstration and it's going to change the way we do it. Well, a few months into it, they're calling us saying, oh my gosh, this is a disaster. Nobody's showing up for their annual wellness or their annual visits and missing rabies vaccines and heartworm and yada, yada, yada. And so we started doing a little dive into their, their clientele. And Becky, the first thing, it became very obvious. It was like, number one, they had a much older demographic client, right? So Text messaging, you know, my mom is not really going to be as successful as maybe text messaging, you know, a 30-year-old, right? So number one, they kind of had the wrong audience. Number two, they were were very successful with their postcard reminders. In fact, they had a 70% sort of like annual visit, you know, compliance rate with their postcards. And that's where what you said a second ago really reminded me of this story because I was like, wow, they just created a whole other subset of problems and they didn't need it solved, right? I mean, yeah. they actually, it was working just fine. Now, I'm not saying they couldn't enhance it. And what we wound up doing with this group, this it was two clinics, was kind of doing a hybrid mix, right? So like one of the clinics was had an older clientele. And so we really just leaned heavily, continued with our postcard. And the other one, we kind of started doing a lot more opting in, which we've talked about on this podcast multiple times, asking people how they want to be contacted. And so then we were able to differentiate the, the platform that you know we could communicate but you know again Becky it's just one of those decisions where an owner said oh this is going to change everything for the better and they really didn't look at you know is there a problem and who's going to be having to deal with this yeah and and I think that is kind of a, a thing that we do have a tendency to do in the industry which is like we want to go 100% all the time and I think beta a and beta b is a great way to try new things and so like to your point, maybe they want to integrate a way, like, I think this is the importance of strategic planning. This is the importance of good management because when we're looking at this technology and you're saying, oh, this is this really cool thing, what problem is it going to solve? And they didn't really have one. If the problem was, how do we go from 70 to 90 in our compliance, it's what target is not responding to the cards. And then kind of what you came to, but instead they spent a lot of money, they spent a lot of time, they lost a lot of money, 
they put a lot of time and energy into this whole process only to go back to square one. And I think this is an easy place to end up, especially when you're caught up in the razzle-dazzle of all the technology and, and the sales floor of these events. You're right. And Becky, you just you just made my point. And I want to really emphasize this to the viewfinders, reemphasize what Becky just said, but I'll put it in my own words. And that is the fact that especially when new technologies emerge, right? And this goes back to when we did in-clinic testing versus, I mean, when you name it, but now everything is around AI, right? Machine learning and automation, right? And so you're, you're sort of like, I think these other clinics, they felt like they were missing out or somehow they weren't keeping up, you know, with the profession if they didn't incorporate these types of services. They were heavily reliant on, on postcards. It was working out just fine, but they're like, oh my gosh, we're so far behind. We've got to yeah. get updated with this new type of reminder technology. And so I would really caution my colleagues out there today to recognize that we are in the infancy of a transformation. And so that's when, A, you can be oversold, overpromised, <laughs> You know, they're going to underdeliver. You're going to be fraught with problems. So really carefully evaluate whether or not you need to add some of these latest and greatest. Because Becky, I was there also, you know, I, I'm kind of shocked. I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens in at VMX and, and Western next year with the number of people proposing AI solutions. And I think a lot of it is just smoke and mirrors, but you know, I don't want my, I don't want the the listeners of this podcast, Becky, sort of getting caught up in that, like you said, and then kind of, you know, creating a whole host of problems that, you know, they could have avoided and didn't need to encounter. You know what I'm saying? So I think we're really in this new era. I think it's going to be completely transformative and it's going to benefit us all, but you know, just be aware of, you know, just do a SWOT analysis on your problem, like Becky said, and figure out, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? What's the end goal here? And and see, does this even make sense for us to embark on it? Just don't get wowed by all the wild outlandish promises that some of these companies are offering. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know. I guess I think it's also important to, again, really assess that why communicate with your teams. But the other part I was thinking about in, in we can kind of shift to if you're, if you want is the idea of this front versus back technology. Yes. So, good point. I, I was thinking about how we have to make our clinics look really up to date. And, you know, I do absolutely expect, I want all of my providers in every area of my life to have some sort of chat function feature and booking okay. yep, without agree. me having to call or talk to a human being. Like I, it's all I really want in this world. And it is what I want from my veterinary clinic. I know that's not what everybody wants so that we, like you said, do have to balance our clientele needs. So it made me think about how our clients potentially assess our skill, our technology, uh, the quality of our medicine based on our front end technology as much as if at all compared to our back end technology and how much we need to consider this and again, be intentional when we're making decisions about spending. Right. And guys, I mean, this is also that area where we can be in a perceived imbalance. And what I, what I mean by that, Becky, is the fact that suddenly now, like Becky's saying, your front end, which is like how your clients interface with your clinic, right? Whether they communicate via chatbot or direct message or text or whatever, all those things, right? So how, the, how does it look and feel of the website, appointment scheduling, billing, all that, right? That's really important to invest in. Well, if you're investing in your front end technology, well, that means you may not have dollars to invest in the back end. And the back end here, we can define it either as physical equipment, like the new latest, greatest laser, right? Or, or new diagnostic imaging machine, right? I, I don't know what it is in your clinic, 
But you can see where that imbalance, and I think what Becky is driving at also is that sometimes this front versus back sort of, you know, tension can be exacerbated by suddenly going, you know, hey, we don't have money for the new thing that you need in the back. And you're going, well, you just spent a whole lot of money up front, right? Becky, is that kind of what you're also driving at? 100%. Like I'm thinking about all of the times I've seen the front end staff print out 400 pages of medical records and then proceed to try to argue with the fax machine to get them to all go through in one shot and not get a busy signal, right? While they're trying to get their faxes through like everybody else on a Monday morning. And how much time and energy is spent versus like email faxing, which is now completely a thing and we just can internally do it from our systems. And as a client, my expectations around that, you know, is is I, I do, ex- I, if you called and said, if I called my office and I said, hey, I need my record sent to so-and-so and they said, what's their fax number? I would like blink hard for a <laughs> right. long time. Like I would, I would be like, I don't even know why you're asking me that question, I guess. But so I think that's really important. But then we also have this standard of showing up to a clinic that's, you know, not going to hand me an envelope full of x-rays and say, here you go, uh, take these to y- your specialist. You know, I also think I'm going to get a CD or they're going to be digitally transferred. That's a tough balance for clinics. Yeah. And Becky, you know, the thing, too, that you're sort of, uh, I think, uncovering a bit is historically, you know, veterinarians were making these decisions. And so I'll be honest with you. I wanted the equipment. I wanted the fancy stuff. Right. I mean, you know, because that's how I I practice medicine. I yeah. need surgical skills and diagnostic tools and all this kind of stuff. Right. So I invested heavily in that. And now we're kind of entering this era, as you mentioned before, where maybe, you know, groups of clinics or corporate decision makers are saying, hey, we really need to invest heavily in this technology, you know, instead of all this new ultrasound stuff. So I think it's an interesting dilemma and a shift in the mindset of the profession. Well, and I think it's also very values-based. So when I think about technology across the the small private clinics that I've gone to, not the corporates who are going to have a standard checklist, it is so dependent on the veterinarian's value to that piece of equipment, right? So I have worked in places where the microscopes are older than the dirt, you know, (laughs) unbelievably, where did you, you can't even get replacement parts anymore because they just don't make them. And then, you know, we're still, we're doing top of the line laser surgery, you know, laparoscopic endoscopic procedures in surgery, because that's that, that particular practitioner's jam. So I, I think about how often um, the latest and greatest is invested in the spender's values. Yeah, and yeah. is that the best thing or not? Is it just, hey, the microscope still worked. We still found parasites, you know? How is it contributing to practice income? And I think this is, again, what I mean about being really intentional with our spending. And I think most importantly, and I hate to even sound like I know anything about accounting because I do not, but our need to think about the long term is every time we buy a piece of equipment, how are we saving to replace that piece of equipment down the road and, and understanding it's going to cost more to do so so that we aren't picking and choosing, but we have a checklist and a calendar that says, okay, this microscope is three years old. Let's evaluate and see X, Y, and Z, you know, whatever that example is. Yeah. And I am guilty as charged when it comes to loving old microscopes, but that's another issue uh, for another day, guys. But regardless, Becky, the other thing too, that I think you sort of also you know mentioned there that I want to repeat is the fact that there can be a lot of hidden cost in some of these, especially technology solutions. And even though on the outset you go, well, it's only so much to get set up with an account and then it's a monthly fee and so forth. You really do need to once again, involve the staff in the decision-making because you may realize that, wow, it's only, you know, $30 
$1,000 a month, but it takes your staff, you know, an hour to do whatever it is, right? Or are they going to have to learn? It's going to take them weeks to learn how to do this. So, you know, Becky, there can be some hidden cost with some of these, you know, what seem to be very inexpensive technology plays as well. Sure. And and what's the learning curve and is it worth yeah. it? I think that's kind of the other thing is there are some things that are really tricky to get the hang of, but totally worth it in the long run. Um, and, and I think one of the best reasons to involve your staff just in general. Well, OK, let's say let's just say this. Number one, great scapegoat tech tactic, right? If it ends up being crappy, you can blame it on the whole team and you don't have to take <laughs> right. the heat. But like on top of that, um, one, everybody likes to be heard and be able to contribute. You have to be careful, obviously, because it's not a democracy. And how are, how are we going to decide? But at the same time, um, I think it's important because if you if you're sending all these folks to these conferences, or if you're sending them to CE, or if they're if they're just diving into learning in the industry and they're finding out these really cool things. All of those minds are better than one. And so hearing them out. And then um, the other thing is, is that there should be trial periods and and you should be able to talk to other people who have experience with these different types of things. Um, and if you're if you're not able to access those, I would be like major red flag. Oh, amen. And I can't I can't second that hard enough viewfinders, especially when it comes to the world of technology. If they are not willing to give you a, a list of vets who are or vet clinics that are using this you know solution and you're able to talk to them directly. I mean, this goes back to the early days of PIMS. I mean, I was there and, you know, we were all trying to find our way in the dark. And, you know, it was very essential for us to have a network of veterinarians. And, and honestly, I made a, I made a couple of different decisions because of feedback. I got critical feedback uh, from veterinarians. The other thing, too, Becky, the, th- the reason that you have to involve staff, especially in decisions around software, is because you're, you have blind spots. I mean, whether you're a manager, an owner, an associate, if you've been out 20 years, 30 years or five years, it doesn't doesn't matter. There are things that you just don't know and can't see and can't anticipate. And I want to have as many people looking for those blind spots as possible because that's going to help me avoid making a, a bad or costly decision. Yeah. And I think it's also a great way to to keep in mind that the really cool thing about all of this technology that is coming out, at least on like a software end, is so much of it is customizable. So when you have an unmet need and you have a place that your staff can discuss it or bring it up and, and they see those blind spots, a lot of times you can just send a note and they're like, oh yeah, we could totally integrate that in an upgrade. And we're working on that feature X, Y, or Z. So that's one of the best things about some of these new pieces of technology. Gosh, Becky, I love this conversation. But before we wrap up today, Becky, I do want to give you an opportunity to kind of talk, give an update on what's happening with the Giving Tree. I mean, you were just, you had an amazing recognition at AVMA. Maybe tell the viewfinders a little bit about what's happened the past couple of weeks with you. It's such an amazing thing to even talk about. Um, I'm I'm getting through it without crying this week a little bit, so I think we'll be good. But yeah, so um, Catherine Haskins, who has been a guest on our show before uh, yeah. with the Bridge Club, hosted a a giving cocktail hour for the giving tree and it was sponsored by etc and our donations up to five thousand dollars were matched by chewy and um we were able to raise over ten thousand two hundred dollars for the giving tree this year just across avma and um 
for perspective, that is more than we've raised individually any one giving season. And we've already almost tripled our, our past giving season averages. And so, um, this is going to be a giving season like no other. Plus we had that booth we talked about, which was, um, able to get us a lot of exposure. I know we gave away at least 300 hot cocoa bombs. And so I know that's (laughs) really good exposure for our organization. I was absolutely beside myself. And then, um, that whole, uh, even better yet, as as our program director loves to say, are even better yet is those same groups, the Bridge Club, Vetcetera, and um, Chewy Animal Health have agreed to sponsor another event in 2024. Wow, that's phenomenal. And Becky, we've got a ton of new listeners this year. So maybe for those who aren't familiar with the Giving Tree and, and what you do, maybe just give us a brief little, you know, review of that. So the Giving Tree started in 2020 as a way of just bringing some kind of positivity to a very not good year, as some of you might recall. Um, and so we were able to create a place to give back to the members of the veterinary community. Pretty much any role in the veterinary hospital or adjacent industries, um, folks in need were nominated or self-nominated and um, donations were collected. And we're able to each giving year, right before the winter holidays, provide a little financial assistance and a little note that says somebody sees you struggling and wants you to know you're important. And we see you and we hope this helps with your holidays. We're going into our fourth giving year this year, and um, we have already been able to help about 100 families and individuals um, with a total of about $20,000 that's been donated over the last three years. And like I said, we're basically at that this year, and um, we're able going to be able to do hopefully um, what we've been able to do over the last three years and this year alone. Gosh, that's so amazing. And viewfinders, for those of you that have been with us over the past six and a half years, for the past couple of years or more, you've heard Becky talk about something she's been involved with, and that is coming to a close. Becky, maybe bring us up to date on this last little bit of personal information that I want to celebrate. I'm so excited. So you guys will be listening to this. I guess it'll be Wednesday the 26th, and that means I am graduating. So this is my very last. I have to say it is literally lacking pomp and circumstance because apparently when you graduate in the summer, you don't get a commencement ceremony, oh. um, but you do apparently still get your degree. And so I, my educational journey ends today when you guys are listening to this. And it ends with a master's degree, Becky. That's right. I mean, this yeah. isn't just, you know, so this is pretty impressive. And you've worked really <laughs> long and hard on this. And honestly, I, I'm amazed that you've been able to do all that you do. I mean, guys, not only holding down full-time position, you know, doing a podcast, speaking all over the country, primarily with BI, but to technicians all over, becoming president-elect of NAFT. I mean, holy smokes. And at the same time, (laughs) undergoing a master's program. So Becky, I mean, congratulations. Well done. You're an inspiration to so many. And if you're out there, you know, and you're a veterinary technician or even an assistant, and you're saying to yourself, you know, wow, that seems like something I'd be interested in doing. I mean, just reach out to us. We'd be happy to, to give you some guidance. I mean, Becky is a is a case study in success, and I, I'm just so proud to, to know her and work alongside her uh, in a limited fashion on the podcast, but more importantly, to bring her voice to the profession, because not only is it valuable to, to veterinary technicians, but it's valuable to us all. So again, 
congratulations and oh thank you, Becky. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so honored. I am always honored, and I honestly think uh, the opportunity to demonstrate the value of education is is an absolute honor. As far as I'm concerned, it is the one thing you get to earn for yourself that no one gets to take from you and uh, that you get to, to have, you know, your own say in. And I think that is is really invaluable. So I, I would love for folks who are thinking about when I really want to go back to school, um, start now because you'll be done before you stop thinking about the fact you want to go back to school. Gosh, that's great. Well, viewfinders, we want to know what you think about buying decisions in your clinic. Do you have a say, whether it's software or equipment? How do you make those decisions about budgeting and so forth? We'd really like to hear from your real life examples and your success stories, and maybe you can help another clinic. So Becky, how can they share with us their successes? You guys can reach out to us on the technology known as Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. You can also fax us at 910. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot an email to veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. That's right. And we still we don't have any idea today if it's Twitter or X or who knows what. Uh, we're just not there. We're not so, there. You know, Instagram and Facebook, that's kind of the only thing that we're doing right now. I think we maybe post on Pinterest, but that's automatic, so I'm not sure. And if there's a platform that we need to be reaching you on, let us know. Uh, we continually are trying to w- figure out how to best connect with our profession. So if you have any suggestions, definitely drop us a note, veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. Until next week, Becky, bye. Bye. Good job.